presence. Father, we are so grateful for who you are. We are grateful that we have this day to worship and praise you. God, we ask right now, do a work in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 And this is really important for all of us to, to get to and to understand. We go through life, and let's be honest with each other, can we? We go through life really focusing on ourselves. I mean, if you really were to be honest with yourself, the first thing you do in the mirror after you go to the bathroom, you look in the mirror. Hmm? <laughs> you see, we go through life focused on ourselves because, and the things that we have, we say, you know, I work for that. You know, I, I worked for it, uh, or it was given to me, and this is, here's my word, that we say as adults and we say as children, children should reach your, you know, that age that we can talk. It's, go ahead, mine. It's mine. We get very possessive of things that we have. You know, we own it, we protect it, we watch over it. Why? Because it's yours. You're not so concerned about your neighbor's. Because it's your neighbors. However, the things that God has bring unto us, we are to be good stewards. And today I really want to challenge you in this area. I've learned a lot in this area. God has taught me a lot in this area. When we talk about stewardship, the question we must all ask is, does God have our whole heart? Now, don't answer that question yet because that's not an easy question to answer. Does God have your heart? whole heart number one number two is my whole life belong to God I mean not only do you have my heart but everything that's in my life and three are we fully dedicated and committed to him now I'm not did not ask if you were perfect amen I asked the question are you fully dedicated and committed to God so if I were to ask you, do you love God from 1 to 10, if you gave me a 10, you say, I love God with a 10, my next question would be, is your 10 seen by the demonstration of your behavior and what you do, not by what you know? Cognitively, you may know a lot, but demonstrationally, to demonstrate what you really believe is always seen in behavior, in doing. Amen? The Bible says, don't be a hearer of the word, but be a what? doer of the word least least we deceive ourselves so i want you to really get this today because what i have learned over the years i don't want no other way but god's way because god's way is a better way just look at your neighbor and just tell them right now god's way is a better way so, so write this down this is important write this down when we understand biblical stewardship this is important here it goes everything we learn is this everything comes from god Everything belongs to God, and we are accountable before God. Everything comes from God. Everything belongs to God, and we are accountable before God. That's what stewardship is. Stewardship is that we only have something for a short period of time. Let me, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Okay? I don't care what you own. What are you going to bring to heaven from what you own? You see, there's two things that happens. You can get a great inheritance and receive a great inheritance only because someone has saved their pennies and done well, whatever the, may, whatever the story may be. 
but you're going to leave it behind. Make sure you leave it behind. I tell people who have very, are very wealthy people, I say, listen, be smart in where you leave it behind because you can ruin your whole family. And I've seen that happen. So we have a talk about preparing while they're living before that moment takes place so that people in their family are prepared to handle. Smart men in some corporations have really thought this through quite well, and I've been impressed by some of the things that they have done. And they're smart. Not everybody can handle finances. And there's many Christians who can't handle finances because they don't even know how to give God 10%, 10 cents on the dime. And if you can stay with me today, I'm going to show you from a biblical standpoint what God's been saying from the very beginning of Genesis right to the end of Gen Revelation. Someone say amen. <laughs> you see, this is important. A steward doesn't own anything. He really doesn't. He's just been given the responsibility and the command to be wise with the resources. What reason? To honor God, simply to honor God and give God glory in all that we do. We're just stewards. You know, whatever we own, we have to steward it. If you don't do it well, you'll ruin it. The bottom line, you either learn how to steward it or you will ruin it. Whatever that it may be, in your heart and in your life. So a good steward is going to be trustworthy. Okay? Abraham had a good steward. He was trustworthy. He wasn't the one he wanted to lead his, his inheritance with, but nevertheless, he had a good steward that was with him, like a son type. A good steward chooses to honor God. Here it goes. Here's the word. Here's the word. First. I'm going to say first. This is important. First, it plays a big part today in the foundation of what we're going to talk about. A good steward understands, here it goes, understands the responsibility of what has been given to them and know that they're going to be accountable for their actions. I take that very seriously because one day I'm going to have to answer before God. I'm not concerned about answering before man, not at all. I'm concerned about answering before God. That gets me even better. I want you to understand something this too, is that when God gives you the ability to oversee, to be a good steward, no matter what you have, you should be glad about what you have and not looking at someone else's backyard. Amen? Be content in what you have. Contentment is destroyed because of comparison. Happens all the time. Contentment is destroyed in life because of comparison. But when you can be content where you are and be responsible and accountable as a good steward, God blesses you with even greater opportunity. See it all the time. So let's take a journey today and let's look at the, with the command of Scripture saying God is first. He must be first. He has to be first. It's so important. All through Scripture, it talks about first. He has to be first in our time, first in our talents, first in our treasures, our finances. And when I say treasures, I am talking about finances today, mainly on your measure of tithe that you give to the Lord. It's really important that you understand that because God's always requiring first fruits. Someone say first fruits. God wants to be first. He doesn't want to be second. He wants to be first. And everybody here, I can guarantee you, you want to be first. In some way, in some way, in someone else's life, and some other, you want to be first. Well, God says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I created you, and I think I should be first because I'm the one that created you. I should, I should be first in your life. And I agree with him 100%. He should be first in our life. Not second, not third, not last. 
Deuteronomy says this. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6, 5 says. Love the Lord your God with some of your heart. Yeah, good. I'm glad you caught that. All your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, stop for a moment. Suppose we actually did that. What would our life look like if we really did that scripture? When we took the smallest word in our vocabulary that means everything, all. The smallest word that encompasses everything, all. All your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. If we really love God that way, would our life be different? Would our families be different? Would our children be different? I mean, we have to ask ourselves this question. Is God really first in every area of my heart? This is something that we all say, yes, he is. But if we were to dissect, if you were to, to be honest with yourself, you would see this areas in your life. God's not first. You might say and be honest and say, I'll be honest with you. I think of me first before I think of God. Hello. Because that's what our nature, our human nature wants to do. It's just, it's common. It's, it's just the way it is. Proverbs says this in 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. Then your bonds will be filled and overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Someone say benefit. God says, God says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your wealth, with what you have. Bring in the first fruits. Give me the first fruits. He says, I want to be first in this area. This is from the beginning of time all the way to Revelation. Throughout the scripture, we have God wanting to be first, not second, not third. God's desiring you and I to put him first because he has a reason for it. This is what's so beautiful about God and all that he wants to do. Look at Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, 1 through 4. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Can someone say first? God's given the Ten Commandments, the way we are to have character and behavior. He's given us ten. And in that, he says, you are to have no other God before me. You shall not make your, of yourself an idol of any form, anything in heaven, above, or the earth beneath, or the waters below. He covered it all. Covered it all. God, throughout the scripture, right from the law, but even before this, and we'll talk about this in a minute, God is always saying, I want you to put me first. You know, if you were married and you guys in a marriage didn't put each other first, how would the marriage go? If you had a friendship and you didn't treat your friend very well, how would the friendship go? If you said to your children, hey, you're important to me, but you didn't put them on a level of being important to you, how would that relationship go? I remember this story from a father. It was priceless, priceless. A little girl came in, and he, this guy had a habit back then. This is going back a few years. He used to read the paper. And one day, he was in his den early in the morning. He would get a cup of coffee and read his paper. It was kind of a ritual every time. His daughter came in one time, and the daughter was talking to him. And he's paying attention, reading, and going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then the daughter put her hand on the paper, put the paper down, and said, you're talking to me, but you're not looking at me. Therefore, you're not listening to me. 
what that little girl was saying, I want your attention, Dad. I want you to not only, I want you to put the paper down. I want you to say that you're more, you're more important than the daily news. A little girl at a very young little age caught that because her daddy wasn't looking at her and talking with her, but talking through the paper. God wants to be first, and we put a lot of things in the way of this relationship that God so wants you and I to develop in. And we get things, and it could be good things that we get in the way. So God says, I don't want you to have anything in the way. Don't worship anything at all. And money is something that we worship in our world today. If there's something that people worship, they don't come out and say it, but we give it the importance of everything. Money is only good here. It's losing its value by the day. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's only good here, and it's only the piece of paper. And that paper only has value, only has value because there's value attributed to it. To tell you the real truth, guys, your money doesn't have no value anymore. It's just a piece of paper. It's just a value that our system gives that money right now. That's it. You've got another piece of paper in another country that they give value to. But when they take away that value, it's no longer worth what it used to be worth. At one time, $1 was worth $1 of gold. It had value. It had something it was compared to. You had like having one ounce of gold in $1 bill. It's great, wonderful, but it's not that way anymore. So I want you to understand God's perspective. It is a tool. It is a tool. Look at your neighbor and say, it is a tool. Let's look at these scriptures here. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew chapter 6, 33, 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I love this, and all these things shall be given unto you as well. God in his word over and over, over, and over again is saying, I want you to understand that if we're going to have a relationship, I must be first, not second. And God says, you can't serve money. You can't be more concerned about money, your bills and stuff, and not be concerned about God. I got a great illustration for you today on this. But the Bible also tells us to seek first. I'm going to say first. What are we seeking? We seek first the kingdom of God first. But the thing is, we don't. We seek how we can advance and how we can do this and how we can do this. And God, I say, God, you know, because I had my time. Trust me, I, I, I've been through some stuff. You get to understand there's nothing more like the kingdom. You can't bring stuff, but you can bring people. That's the most important. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then I love this. And all those things, God calls everything in this world things. I love boats. Love boats. Love the water. I like motorcycles. I like outdoors. I love a lot of stuff. But they're things. And unfortunately, they're just things. I remember a time uh, on my life, I, I got a car. The first thing I do with that car is I would anoint it with oil. And say, God, this is not my car. This is your car. I remember our brand new car. It was only one year old, two year old, and I was just, I was really young. Uh, we had no kids yet, right? We had one kid? No kids, no kids. So, no kids. Our house was like not kid zone. Let's put it this way glass everywhere. You know, when we had kids, we're like, oh my word, we have to change our living. Because <laughs> we just had glass everywhere. It was just, just, yeah, it was just one of those things. And um, so, we buy this car. It was a Bonneville. 
just all the luxuries and stuff like this, and I became youth pastor. And the van wasn't the greatest van. So at the time we had, before I jumped to like a lot of kids, you know, we had around 15 and uh, 13, 15. And we had a 15 passenger van. We squish them in there and stuff. We get them there. The van would break. And I had no transportation. So I dedicated my car to the Lord. So I would stuff kids. It would be so illegal today. <laughs> I stuffed so many kids. You know how you have world records or Guinness book records? I think I might have broke a few along the way. I would stuff all these kids inside the things, and they had shoes in their faces and, and stuff like that. We get them in. We get the youth and stuff, and they're like, this is great. And I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> but I would stuff my brand-new car with kids to get them to youth. There was another time there was a kid, guy at church. He had a, a problem. He had a problem, and he, he urinated quite a bit, and you could tell it was always smelling on him and stuff like this. And, and uh, one time he said, to, he never could pronounce my name right, never. And he come up to me and said, you got a new car? I said, yes, I did. Can you give me a drive? And he's all wet and stuff, you know. And, and I'm like, you want a ride? And this guy was a beautiful, beautiful guy, beautiful guy. And, uh, and I said, I'll give you a ride after church. I'll take you home. Well, people in the church heard, heard about it. And I had people come up to me, I heard you're going to give such and such a ride home. I said, yeah. You're going to put him in your new car. You have, what, velour? It was material, wasn't it? Yeah. He said, you got velour seats in that thing. You're going to put him on there? I said, yep, it's God's car. He needs a ride home. God's provided me a car. Yeah, I'm going to take him home. So I took him home. He loved the drive. We had a good time and stuff like this. I, I think more people were concerned about my car than I was. Asked me if my car had any ruin to it or another. Nothing. Zilcho. Nothing at all. You know why? It's God's car. You, you got to remember something. you either in it to win it or you're going to be protective. You're going to be all like, my, 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 my. No, it's God. He gave it to me. And literally, I've had, I don't know how many cars have been given to me. The car I have now has, was given to me. I've given away like 10 to 12 cars. So let me just tell you, it's not a big, God is, God is able to do exceedingly above the thing that you ask. He can do it. But he's asking you to be faithful. Look at your neighbor and say, are you faithful? faithful. All right, so let me, let me just take a little bit of journey here, talking a little bit about what this all encompasses. What, it, what, really, what really, Pastor, is a tithe? I want to bring you to a real understanding of this. And some of this stuff comes from Robert Morris. He does a great job on this topic. Love the man, love the pastor. But what is a tithe? It's an act of offering to God a tenth of what God has given unto you. The word tithe actually means tenth or tenth part of. A tenth of the part, a bigger part, a tenth of a bigger part. That's what it really means. And people often say tithing is just an Old Testament principle. You know, in the Old Testament, that's what it was all about. Well, not true. And I want to show you from in Genesis, and we'll take it all the way on a journey to show you, even from the words of Jesus, it's not an Old Testament principle. That being said, I want you to understand tithe is a, uh, an actual, it actually means tenth or a tenth part. And in the Bible, whenever we talk about tenth, it's always talking about testing. Because you giving of your finances to the work of the Lord, the kingdom, kingdom work, that's why God created the system. It's a system God created so the work of God can be provided for. You know, people just, you know, people don't realize, but your seats, everything in this building costs. Everything costs. Everything has a price. And people come into the church and just think, well, you know what? 
and they're just consumers. Today we have uh, people who just consume, but they don't want to participate. They want the benefit. Let me show you this. If you have ever been on the receiving side, remember, someone had to give. Whenever you have received something, somebody has given something so that you can receive. But unfortunately, we live in a world today that it's all about how can I get it for, here it goes, free. No, you know what? It's work. Hard work pays off. Doing things right pays off. And God works in a system. And the system is, listen, can you be faithful for what I've given you? Well, Lord, I don't have much. There was a time I literally couldn't have two nickels rubbed together. God brought me to a place where I've had, I had plenty. I had all the toys. I had all the bells and whistles. I was working two jobs at 16, and a 16-year-old kid had way more money than he should ever have in his pocket. But I worked hard at 16. I was working during the day and working at night for my cars because I was really big into cars. I would build cars, and the cars actually really saved my hide a little bit with a group of people that I hung with. Nevertheless, I learned hard work. But I want you to understand something, whatever we had, and then we came to a point in life when God says, I want you to sell it all and follow me. And I sold it all. I built this beautiful show car, traveled with World of Wheels, you know, and if you think show car shows are fun, they're not. Because when you have to stay there for three days, it's long. <laughs> But I tell you what, and I made a vehicle that was all about the Lord and going on hydraulic doors and stuff like this. And it was great. But when God said, it's time to move on, I sold it. Sold everything, left everything behind. And then I went from having anything, you know, everything I wanted to, God, how am I going to provide for my kids? Lord, this is tough. I couldn't get a job. I was either overqualified or underqualified. And for a long time, I had a lump sum of money I went into schooling with. And in a duration time of living it, God waited until all my money was gone and I had nothing. And the day I had nothing and I brought, I have nothing now, Lord, I got a job that day. For how much? I think $5.63 an hour. Maybe it was for something back then, but it wasn't much. But God worked a 12-year cycle that took place because I continued in the education, and it was tough, 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 tough with, with surgeries, a lot of surgeries. My kids had problems. They all had issues one way or another, and it was just tough. I want you to know something. God taught me something about what dependence is and how to depend on him because God provided every meal, everything for Christmas. I mean, honestly, I'll tell you this real quick. A church said, I want you to come and speak, Brian. I want you to encourage the congregation. Well, we came and we did, they did a Christmas in October. Remember we used to do those Christmases in October, huh? Shouldn't we do another one again and bless somebody? Yeah, I, I think since we can find someone, we're going to do that. But we were the beneficiary of that. And when my kids gave us my kids weren't really demanding. They didn't have a lot of stuff. But then one season, one season, I said, I want you guys to put on a list what you guys want. And you got to have one, you know. So they did. They gave us a good list. We went to this church. And they never saw the list. But they got every single thing that was on their list. Then I got mad at God saying, I can't even give my own kids something from me because you got them all over everything, you know. 
But I'm just saying he was faithful for us. He was faithful. But tithe is a tenth. Now, watch this now in Scripture. I, I want you to get this. This is important. Write these Scriptures down or write this down. These are ten things in Scripture where ten is a testing. Tithe is a testing. Okay? First of all, let's look at Exodus. God tested Pharaoh, his heart, ten times by ten plagues. A test. I want you to remember, we're going to look at tithing is a test. What are you going to do with the finances? How are you going to be a steward? It's a test. And all through Scripture, 10 is related to testing. Here it is in Pharaoh being tested. His heart is being tested because it was arrogant, it was prideful, and God brought 10 plagues before he relented on the 10th one. There's 10 times he was tested. Number two, in the book of Exodus, God gave the 10 commandments to test our hearts whether or not we're going to be obedient to him and, and walk in righteousness. Number three, the children of Israel experienced ten tests while they were in the wilderness. Whether they were complaining about food, complaining about water, not following directions about collecting manna. There were ten tests that while they were in the wilderness, they failed in this testing. In Genesis, Jacob worked for his father-in-law Laban. And during the season of his life, God allowed him to be tested 10 times as his salary was changed 10 times. God was testing the character and the loyalty that Jacob was to have. In Daniel chapter 1, we talked about that. That there was, for 10 days, they tested Daniel and his three friends because he didn't want to eat the king's food. And so... He said, test us for 10 days to see if we look any different than all of the other young men. And they passed the test in Daniel 1. In Matthew chapter 25, we see the test of preparedness. You have a test of 10 virgins and 10 virgins. Five had, did well on the test. They got plenty of oil, but five other virgins didn't get enough oil. And so when the bridegroom came at midnight, they were not prepared. They failed the test. I want you to look at this in the words of Jesus, because this is important, to really, for you and I to understand. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 23 to 24, uh, chapter 23, verses 23 to 24. Woe to you, teachers of the law, and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, and your cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice. Mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out at a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Camel. <laughs> Listen, I don't know why people don't see this very clear. Jesus is not denouncing tithing. He says you ought to do what you were doing. But you're not doing the major. You're not having mercy. You're not being faithful. You're not doing justice. These are weighty too. You need to do both. So here's Jesus commending what they were doing in their, in their giving their tenth of all that came into them. I want you to get this. People say, well, it's just, no, pastor, 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 it's just Old Testament. It's not Old Testament. Matter of fact, you're going to see in a little bit, tithing was even before the law. So you see Jesus commending it, saying, yes, that was good to do, but don't forget these other things you need to do. Don't do just half of what you think you should do. How about this one here in Revelation chapter 2.10? 
testing for the church of Smyrna. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you the truth, the devil will put some of you in prison and, to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. The, the, the number 10 always has a symbolic to testing and to give your tenth of your tithe with it just your floor. It is not your ceiling. Your tithe does not belong to giving it to people you want to give it to. Your tithe belongs to the church of God. Your tithe belongs to God. That's God. Your first fruits. Your first fruits. It's important for you and I to, to recognize that. Here's, a, here's another one that I think is important for all of us to understand how, that comes from the book of Malachi. Most people know that. God just accused them of robbing God. He says, you robbed me, God says. And they're like, how do we rob you? And then he says this, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and, and see if I will not th uh, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out much blessing that you will not able to have room enough for it. I want you to get this. This is, this is important. This is important. So I want to illustrate this a little bit to you because when we talk about tithing sometimes, uh, people, um, uh, people always say, well, if I tithe, Pastor, if I tithe, um, you know, I, won't have time, I won't have money to pay my bills. <laughs> you don't understand God. You actually fear the bill people more than you fear God. That's the bottom line is, is the thing is you don't have trust in God. Let me, let me, let me tell you some personal experience. I believe in giving to God. And I don't know how many times she used to do the budget. And I would come in feeling urged by God and God say something. I've given away my bank account. How many times? Two or three times. I've, got, I've given everything that I've saved in my bank account. I've given it away. I've done that at least two times for different reasons for the gospel. And that's me. Okay, That's what God spoke to me to do. However, I've learned God's principles, and I've learned to trust them. But sometimes when we look at our tithe, and we say, like, hey, we'll just take a dollar over here. And it's so easy. This is just a piece of paper with a little diamond in it. It's so easy to give a dollar, give it to the Lord. This, this would represent the Lord. And it's so easy because it, it's kind of small. It's a dollar. It's an offering. I remember when my mother brought us to church and stuff, you know, and we would always ask for an offering to give to the Lord and stuff. And he'd give me a quarter, he'd give me a dime, he'd give me a nickel. And I would look at that thing and say, I didn't know nothing about God, per se, at that time. I'm like, that's an awful lot. I knew that there was big, big much to give, and she gave me a nickel. I'm like, that's cheap. <laughs> I told her that a few times. I said, Mom, that's cheap. That's all you're going to give to God? She just give it to him. <laughs> but it's easy to give something small. You know, you, you, you got $10, you, you know, you have a dollar, no big deal. You got nine there. It's easy. But as you make more, and this is where people struggle, as you make more, you, you do get more. But now it's harder because now, let's suppose you bring, um, bring $2,000 and you give a tenth of that. Well, now that's $200. Give, take $200 now. Well, $200. And if I give that, is the Lord capable of making up for that so if i was to take this cd and try to put it through here without ripping it is it possible no and, and this is how people think people think hey hey wait a minute god i'm not sure god's gonna if i go ahead and be obedient i'm not sure god's gonna 
take care of me. But let me just show you something. Because, see, I, I want you to understand something. This is great. And I've already folded this already because I make it a little easier here. I know last time I folded it wrong. <laughs> so so let, me just, let me just do this. So I just folded this, and this is the hole we have right now. Okay? That's the hole we have. Right there. That, you see that little tiny hole? Well, it's there. Trust me. Okay? It's there. Okay? And, and, and this is the thing. With the thing. God, God says, will you trust me? Just give me what rightly is mine. One of the greatest examples was this, is that there was a man who needed transportation. And I had an extra car. So I gave the man the car. And the man took it for a whole month because his was in the shop. And then after he got out of the shop, he came back up to me and said, here, here, I'm going to give you this car. And I said, you can't give me a car. That's my car. I let you borrow that car. You can't, you can't give me something that's mine. The tithe is already God's. It belongs to him. We think we're doing something good. No, we're actually returning the portion that already belongs to him. It's his. That's the way we give him the first fruits. We honor God by our actions. So people take the tithe and they, oh, well, I don't know, you know, if God's going to do it. And God says, if you can trust me, I'm just going to make a, another fold here, if you just give me a moment here. If you trust me and you put it in God... All of a sudden, God does an incredible work. He does something beyond your understanding because you are allowing this little bit of tithe and not understand that you're dealing with a big God that can fit big, do big things in little, little areas. He can take your little and make much. I am a perfect illustration of that, how God has taken little and make much. Well, not, not that much, but much more better. <laughs> God is good, and he's on your side. So let's talk about tithe in the law. People say, well, you know, it's about the law, Pastor, and that's all about the law. Well, if that be the case, if you go to Genesis chapter 14, you'll read this. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by the God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and, bl and blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham, someone say Abraham. Someone say before the law. Before the law gave Melchizedek, the high priest of God, gave a tenth of everything. Everything from the battle that he just won to deliver a lot from. This is before. It's, you see this all through Scripture. It's a principle of God, but tithing is a test of your heart, a test of your soul. Are you willing to do what God's asked you to support the kingdom and the work? Because it does take finances to support the kingdom. It's nothing. It's no science to that. Hey, listen to this. How about in Genesis chapter twenty-eight, before the law, verses twenty and twenty-two? Then Jacob made a vow. Saying to God, this is before he, he was just he just left because of everything that went took place at home. He's leaving. He says, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I'm taken, and you will give me food to eat and clothes to wear. 
so that I will return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. He's making his deal right now. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of this that I give, you give me, everything you give me, I will give you, I will give you a tenth. Before the law. Before the law. Jacob told God he would give him a tenth of all the increase if God would just continue before him. You see, tithing is a test. It's a test of will you trust God? And I know this so well because I would do things that mess her up. Don't mess around with the budget, okay? This is dedicated money. But I would come in and say, I really feel God wants me to do this. And I would take the money, the bill money. Now, I'm not recommending this. This is because God spoke to my heart, and I knew what God told me. But it was, God was testing me. Yes. See? Brian, you're on a journey. And can you trust me in the journey? I know you think you have, you don't know where this is coming from. You don't know where this is coming from. There's a time I owed so much. We were in the hospital so much, I owed so many hospital bills. I had a hospital one time call me up. And said, Mr. Corkum, I said, yes. And I'm thinking they're going to, you know, put me in whatever, you know. And, and he said, we just want to let you know that we took your whole fund and put it to um, that one category that pays all your bills, bill evidence. And I'm like, excuse me? And he says, I just want you to know we took the whole bill and put it to bill evidence. You don't own nothing at, at, the, um, at the hospital no more. I said, thank you so much. Lord bless you. I did a happy dance, you know. There was another time, there was a, this is just how God works these stuff. There was another time, there was a four-day prayer meeting with a bunch of pastors in the community. And we, we went there, and by the time I left, when I left, she said, we owe this really big bill to the hospital, and they're saying, if you don't pay it, you, you know, we're going to be in trouble. And I'm like, I, I'm going to pray, and I don't know. I'm not going to worry about it right now. I'm just going to go four days and lock myself in. I'm going to pray with all these pastors, and they did. And, and they had this hot seat that was in the center of the room, and uh, I, all people who fit in that thing, they had some problems. Okay, they had some, a lot of a lot of situations and stuff. They were, I thought God, God said, I want you to sit there. I said, uh-uh. Compared to some of these people who have problems, I am not sitting there, Lord. And the Lord said, I want you to sit there. So day one passed, day two passed, day three passed. Last day, last day, no one's going to the chair. And I told the Lord, Lord, if no one goes to the chair, I'm not going to take someone's place. If no one goes to the chair, I'll go. Nobody moves. And I'm waiting hoping for someone to sit in the chair. Nobody's moving. And this, my heart's getting heavier and heavier, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling this push. And I'm like, oh, that chair was like three miles away from me. And I'm like, oh, I'm hating this. I'm hating this. I'm hating this. I, and I got the mustard to get up, and I walked to the chair. And at the time, I had a business. And I was, I was also pastoring a church, and things weren't too good financially. I was in red in both places because of my generosity. And I needed this huge bill to be paid. And uh, I was like, I, there was a hospital bill that was on my mind. But I had the pressure. It wasn't I was in red. I just had the pressure from business and pressure from the church and pressure, pressure, pressure. I was under a lot of pressure. And uh, anyhow, I just started to share my pressure that I had and my frustrations and this and that. And I broke down, which I would never want to do. But God has such a sense of humor. I broke down. Before you know it, I heard someone, let's take up an offering. And they took an offering. Before you knew it, they were stuffing in my shirt with my, they, my thing. They tell me they had a plate. And before you know it, I woke up, and there was green all over me. Green. I was filled with people lavishing kindness and, and trying to remedy the situation. I came home 
with all the money I needed to to pay my bills. Now, I, if you don't understand how God works, then you never will. I've seen too much, experienced too much. You know what we did when we got home? I don't know. Do you remember this, Aaron, when we took the money and threw it in the air? I, I, I came and, had, and they saw all this money. The kids never seen all this money in, like, you know, in my hands. And I said, I said look at this. God, look what God did. I showed my kids. I said, we had a problem, but God did, God did the answer, you know, and we didn't know how this was going to get done. We, we were really concerned about this, but God worked it out, and people just gave to this problem. And I just threw the money up, and they started throwing, everybody had fun, and then I said, hey, guys, guys, don't lose anything. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying God works if you can trust him. I know how it is to be in want, and I know how to be in abundance, but you know when you're in want, you learn the greatness and the, and the power of his provision. Amen. And it does something to us. It does something to us. That's what I want you to really get in your heart. Malachi is a, an aspect, but we have to keep him first. Keep him first. God's first principle, Exodus 13, 1 and the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether man or animal. I want you to get this. This is an important principle in the scriptures. Look what it says in Exodus 13. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives, you, gives it to you, as he promised on an oath to you and your forefathers, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. Someone say sacrifice. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. And this in the Old Testament is an act of faith where they would take the firstborn of their sheep and they would sacrifice it. If the donkey is an unclean animal, they would have to take one of their sheep to sacrifice to redeem the unclean. You get this? When they did obedience of trusting God, they were taking animals that they don't know how many more animals would come from this animal. By taking this firstborn and sacrifice it, would they have another animal? Got to trust God, don't you? And then you have unclean animals. Well, now you have to take one of your clean animals to sacrifice it before the Lord. And an offering of giving to the Lord, a thanksgiving offering. Why, why would God do that? Because God wants you to know he's capable of providing for you. But he wants you to know, don't hold on to it so much. We hold on to it because we're always living in fear. We're not living in faith. We're in fear. We're afraid God's not as big as we think he is. The problem is, we, in our minds, we make God small. I never want to do that. I'm always asking God to keep me, my mind fresh, my heart fresh, because sometimes we can get kind of careless. I want you to get something here, and this is important. So when we're looking in Exodus and looking at the law, the the first fruit of a lamb, because it's a clean animal, the first one needs to be sacrificed. But if you have an animal that's unclean, you had to take an animal to redeem it so that it's redeemed. If you didn't redeem it, then the law said, then you need to kill it because it needs to be redeemed. I want you to understand something here. 
This is important because the act of tithing is always done in faith and trust in God. That's what it's all about. And when the Israelites gave their firstborn, they, they had to act in faith and trust God. God asked them for obedience. That's important for God. God wants to see. It's always a heart situation. The matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. Now, I want you to think here. Right here, I have, I have uh, $10 bills here. I want to just put them right here. Okay? They should be 10 If there's not 10 then someone borrowed one. There's $10 bills here. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Everybody see them? Well, they're there. Okay, here, it's it. this is what they look like. <laughs> All right, oh, trust God. All right, so here's the $10 bills. Here's my question that I want to ask you. Which one is my tithe? The first one. The first tenth of everything else. This is how God works. When you do your obedience, he can bless the rest. God wants you to do first. I try to take my tithe out before I do anything with my paycheck. I try to, I take it and separate it and before I do anything with my paycheck because my tithe is my first fruits. And then if I so choose to say, well, Martha needs some money over here, then I give Martha that. That's not my tithe. That's a love offering that I'm trying to help someone else. You never confuse your love offerings with your tithe. Tithe belongs to God. It's your first fruits before God. So you can have, these could be $100 bills, these could be $1,000, it doesn't make a difference. It's your first 10. That's your ceiling. I, have, I haven't given 10% in a long time. I'm at 35%. That's me. I want to one day get to a point where I can live on less and give more. That's my heart desire anyhow because the kingdom of work, the kingdom of work, the kingdom of work. It's all about the kingdom. We live in a world that people are not concerned about the kingdom. Well, this pastor is very concerned about the kingdom. Because they're souls, they're people, and people need the Lord. People need the Lord. How many remember that song? People, mm, I won't sing it for you. <laughs> you might not like it anymore. So we just got done talking about that the clean has to be redeemed, the clean has to be sacrificed, and the unclean has to be redeemed. Look at the principle here now we find in John chapter 1. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His God with his only son going to sacrifice it. For what? To redeem you and I who are unclean. Get the picture? You see how God put things together? All through the Old Testament is concealed, New Testament revealed. His Jesus being the sacrifice, the only son of God, the firstborn of all living, going to be sacrificed, and yet he's going to sacrifice it to redeem you and I who are unclean. God has done things very clear for all of us to understand. Tithing is about our obedience to God. It's a, it's, it must come from the heart of God, uh, from our hearts to God. It's expressed by faith and trust in God. And that how we follow God is so important. Let me just end here with a couple illustrations, um, examples, I should say. These are examples from the heart 
I love Exodus chapter 35. It's just a blessing. They're building the tabernacle, and God asked the people to give. Then the whole community, Israel community, withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart was moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meetings, for all its services, for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men, women alike, came and brought gold, jewelry, and all kinds of brooches, earrings, um, ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. That's a free will offering taking place. This is just free will. They do it because they want to. In Exodus 36, 6, it says, The people of Israel gave so much free will offering, Moses had to tell the people, Stop giving! Could you imagine? Why? Here's my question. Here's my question. What made the people want to give so much to the work of God is because, I'll tell you why people do what they do, is because your love for God will always be demonstrated by what you do for God. You can't say, I love God with a 10, but when it comes to supporting the kingdom work, you're way back here, and maybe you're at a three. It doesn't work that way. Love does. And obedience is faithful. But here these people... They, they gave so much, and the, and the priest said, you've got to tell them to stop giving. People give because their heart is connected to God's work. It's about God's work. You only have one life to make a difference. Just one life. And I'm just challenging you. What you do is all on you. My job is to tell the truth. Your job is to respond to it. But I'm not going to belittle it or cheapen it or... Be, uh, as some would say, timid about it. This is biblical. This is biblical. People don't like to talk politics and money. Yeah, those are two important parts because what happens in politics affects people. What happens with your money affects people. Bottom line, let's, let's, let's be on, you know, who leads makes a difference on people. Good leaders, good things take place. Bad leaders, bad things take place. Go look at the judges. Go look at the kings of Israel. So that being said, that being said, let's look at the Macedonian church. Macedonian church found in 2 Corinthians 8. Look at these individuals because they were in dire problems and poverty. Watch this. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, for which I testify they gave as much as they were able, watch this now, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the saints and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. Someone say first. I hope you get this, because it, it makes a difference in life. First to the Lord, and then to us in keeping with God's will. These are individuals in the church here, the Macedonian church. Here are individuals who are in poverty. They're in trial. And they're saying to Paul, listen, we want to give. And they really messed up Paul. 
because they went beyond their ability. Today, we live in a world that not many people want to go beyond their ability. They want to give the least and expect the much. They don't want to go to work, but they want the paycheck. They don't want to do anything, but they want to get paid for it. You know, they want God to bless them, but they're not even being faithful to God. But God is good. He'll still bless you because he loves you. But he wants more from you. He wants obedience in every area of your life. And I say that about myself as well. Someone should have said amen because that's, that's, that's good stuff right there. Look at Matthew here. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Do not store up yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, here it goes, there your heart will be also. See? So the reality is if you're thinking about the kingdom work, if you're thinking about, you know, the principles of what God said to you, if you're thinking about God's work for such a time as this, don't see, I would say this, don't, don't just say, God, 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 how about, God, what can I do for you? Not what God can do for you, but what can you do for God? God didn't do another thing for me in my life. I just wanted to do stuff for him. Because he's done so much for me. I'm a dead man walking many times. Let me give you another one here. Because you've got to work on where your treasure is. Treasure needs to be in heaven. Things here. As much as I love some of the toys they have in this world. And I do join the toys like the next guy. That's not where my heart is. Not at all. But God will take care of you. God would take care of you because he sees your heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 8. Remember this. Someone say, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. You know, when people who refuse to pay tithes, they come and give me this 2 Corinthians 9. I just love when they do. I really do. Because... I have never seen a cheerful giver be stingy. I've had to tell some generous givers to stop. I mean, I just say, listen, man, you know what? You've already done this and done this. Keep your shirt because they're ready to give their shirt. Literally give their shirt to someone. I'm like, keep your shirt. We can get someone else to give them, give them clothing. You can keep your shirt. We, we, we got this. But generous people, they don't have a floor. And they don't have a ceiling. They just want to keep giving. And if you meet a generous person, you know what I'm talking about. They're not like, um, let's see here. Was that $9.09 or three cents? How many cents? Just saying. Sometimes that can be a little bit of personality as well, but I'm just saying when they're generous, they're not thinking like that. They just don't think like that. They're thinking about giving others. So if you, so think about it this way. Think about it this way. And this is a story I shared before, but... The little boy goes into a candy store, and, and you know the story. And if you know the story, good. If you don't know the story, well, I hope you enjoy it because it's, it's exactly how God works. So the little boy goes into a candy store, and on the table it says free candy. But the little boy doesn't want one but doesn't touch it. And so the, 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 little, the mom sees him and says, you can, it says free, but doesn't, doesn't take the candy. Doesn't put his hand in the jar. And finally... After going back and forth, back and forth, of saying, take some, he does, he doesn't. The man who owns the store, the candy store, takes his big giant hand, puts it in the jar, and then gives it to the boy. And he has a, 
it's, it's dropping out of his hands because his hands are so much bigger. And, and the reality, that was the moral of the story. After talking to his mother, the mother said, why did you do it? He says, Mom, did you see the size of his hands? And God will always have bigger hands than you. We take this little that we own and we cover it like it's mine, 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 mine. It's like those seagulls in the Walt Disney movie. Uh, Finding Nemo, yeah. Mine, 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 mine. And if you know about seagulls, when I'm on the boat and there's fish there, they're all over you. You know, they just, they want it. Or you're at the beach. Some stupid seagull stole my whole sandwich twice. Wasn't, I wasn't happy about it, let me tell you. But that's what single is. They fight over everything. See, the world's, the world's philosophy is like, keep it. It's yours. It's mine. God's philosophy says, give and I give unto you. Be generous. It's, the economy is so different. And I want you to understand, God has bigger hands. Sow your seeds and, and reap a harvest. But think about eternity and think about souls and think about the kingdom. That's the most important thing you could ever do. It would be the best thing ever for all of us. Because we have to really look at the measure of our treasure. You know, that illustration here, I'm going to challenge you once more. That illustration of your tithe, God can open it up and do incredible. Something that seems like it's impossible. God just wants you to trust him. He's more than able. He's the same God that gave Noah the ability to build an ark. He's the same God that did great and mighty things through simple individuals who were willing to follow him. God can do the same great things in your life too. Don't limit God. But do this one thing. Be faithful in everything that God's asked you to do and start there. Next week, we're going to talk about time, how time is a gift. And talent has been given by God as well. Everybody has gifts and talents. And we need to recognize they come from God just as well as finances and your treasure. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for who you are. We give you praise and we give you honor. God, we ask right now that you teach us to be faithful as you are faithful. You gave, Father, you gave our, your best to us. And Lord, let us live our lives giving our best to you. Father, we so desperately need you. And maybe you're here today and those watching online, maybe you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you have never even understood the process of what Christ did for you, but everything in the scripture is all done to seek and save the lost. And that's you and I. We're all lost. We need a Savior to save us and to build that relationship with God. And if you want a relationship with God, right now, right now, just ask God, God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Choose Jesus and what he did on the cross for you. And on the third day, he rose again, <coughs> defeating death, sin, and the grave. Get into a good church. Those here, get connected to God's people. Get connected, get connected, get committed, and God will do a work in you, through you, and around you. Father, will you just touch our hearts, Lord? Challenge us, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Amen.